Welcome to RC Underground Radio. We're, we're, we're racing toy cars here. If you've been looking for a podcast that talks about 1RC tracks, suppliers, and events, then you're in the right place. I haven't changed my underwear I since the Kenman. See, I'm not kidding. Gonna, I was gonna I'm ask. not kidding. It's I didn't the same. Go there. It's this. And we're glad you're here. Now, here are your hosts, Ryan Radzloff and David Brinkman. I am a BB in a box car. All right, so we got a special segment here this evening, a little uh, extra guest. We want to thank uh, Dusty Smith from Chiefland jumping out. We had Dusty on last year, uh, had a great full episode, but tonight we're going to talk about something very specific. Um, we all know about our good friend uh, Ron Peacock, and Dusty's really doing something special. And uh, I just, Dusty, had, uh, first of all, I appreciate you coming on, but two, uh, I'm going to give you the floor just so you can. Uh, let the audience know uh, what you got coming up. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me again. Uh, really enjoyed the last time I was on um, and uh, enjoy all the episodes you guys have. But uh, what what, uh, what we're doing is we are doing a special race to kind of honor Ron. Um, you know, sometimes you have people in different sports and different activities that just kind of stand out. And Ron is one of those guys. Uh, I, I've never heard anybody say anything, you know, towards Ron. And most of the time you only hear bad things about people. You don't hear the good things about people, but there are so many people that just have nothing but good things to say about Ron, including myself. Um, with me being a dealer, I've never actually purchased a car from Ron, but I have some of the guys that race for me that have, and, um, they've all had great stories to tell. And so the few times I've talked to Ron, it's always been a good conversation. So um, I wanted to do something different. And, uh, you know, people have a lot of memorial races, but I wanted to have an honorary race. And so we put together this. Uh, we talked with you or I talked with you guys after the podcast that we were, I was thinking about it. And I talked to a few other tracks and they thought it was a good idea. So what we're going to do in honor of Ron. Um, and his name is, we're going to have a race on his birthday. And the goal for the race on his birthday is just to raise money to get a car, multiple cars, uh, to give out to maybe a kid. And it doesn't have to be a kid. Maybe it's a young adult, but somebody in the community to, that may not be able to afford a car, but want to come race, um, and do this on his birthday to honor him. And if other tracks want to get involved, I would love to see other tracks do the same thing. If you can't do it on his birthday, which is November 1st, which this year's on a Wednesday, um, that's fine. But even if you could just do it the week of, like on a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday of that week. And what I'm doing at my track is all of the entry fees are going towards that car to put towards uh, giving it to somebody. Um, the great thing is, is I've already had several people, people reach out, um, and they're donating different things to the race so that I can give out to try and get more people there to get more money to come in. Uh, and I'm going to have a flyer coming out pretty soon with those sponsors. Uh, they'll also be on the live stream of the race. So a lot of people are on board with this. Um, and again, any track wanting to reach out. Um, you know, like I, I made the, the logo with Ron's face on there, kind of cartooned it up That's a little awesome. bit. That's awesome. And, uh, if anybody wants that logo, I'd be happy to send it to them. 
Um, Ron called me yesterday and expressed his appreciation for what we're doing. So I'm glad that he is excited about it as well. Cause you also don't know people how they, you know, they're going to receive it. Um, but it, he was positive about it and I, I really appreciated that and i um, glad that he's excited about it as well. So any track that wants to get that logo or ask questions about what we're doing, just Facebook message Chief RC Raceway, or you can email me, Dusty, at B3RSports.com. That's awesome, Dusty. I mean, Ron, Ron means the world to us here at RC Underground Radio. We had him on uh, just a very powerful and emotional um, episode that we had with him. Uh, he continues to call on us, checking on us, which is crazy. Right. Uh, you know, we, we, we should be checking on him. But uh, just, yeah, just an outstanding gentleman. He's so passionate. I mean, he got the word out, and he's been um, posting about scammers. Uh, there's, a, there's a group of scammers. We don't know if it's one person and he's using multiple um, identities or what's going on. But they, but they seem to target uh, the 1RC family. Right. Um, Ron himself actually got impacted. I actually got impacted about seven months ago. Um, and, and, and several others. It's a shame that happens, but there's Ron, right? He's dealing with things personally, but yet he's worried about his RC community. So right. that, that just kind of tells you what, how this guy is. If there's people out there that they're like, Ron Peacock, who's Ron Peacock? Trust me, you're going to learn a lot more about him through Dusty's uh, race. And if peop- other tracks do this um, around the country, um, you're going to see a lot and hear a lot about Ron. Like I said, we did an episode uh, it's by far our most popular episode. Uh, it's just amazing how many people have have uh, have listened to that, and it's definitely not about us. It's about him. His story is impactful, um, and uh, we're just great grateful and humbled that we were able to, um, you know, to capture that that he that he gave us that valuable time to capture that. But uh, this is definitely one event we want to be involved with. Um, so, however, we can do that. You and I will work out those details. Well, I appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, we, I mean, we appreciate everything you guys are doing as well. Uh, like I said, hopefully, you know, any track want to reach out, like I'm here. So reach out, let's get this going. Let's make it a good thing. And, uh, let's, let's get some more people in the community, the one RC community racing at the tracks. Absolutely. If, if there's a, no other motivation, just, just let's get Ron sitting on his couch on his birthday, eating whatever he likes for his birthday and just watching his, social media and watching the live streams and just going, Oh my gosh, this is happening all over the country. Can we imagine how thrilled we could make that man doing that? We, we, we may have to get a, a 72 inch TV for him so that he can split it up as much as possible for as many tracks as it can put him on. So anything else, anything else about the race or it, just tell us a little bit what's going on at Chiefland. Um, well, we, we have a big change coming. I haven't made the announcement yet, so I'm going to probably make the video this week and I, I have a big announcement coming out. Um, other than that, we've just been trucking along, racing, doing our thing. It's kind of my busy season with my main job, so I haven't been able to be at the track as much. Um, but as we get closer to the winter time down here in Florida, what we call winter, mm-hmm. um, as we get closer to that, then uh, we'll pick back up and uh, start racing hard again. Keep an eye out for our uh, YouTube channel, Chief and RC Raceway. That's where we post all of our videos. Uh, you can also check out our website, which is chiefandrcraceway.com. So the, okay. the, the main focus is the Ron Peacock race that's coming up on November 1st at Chiefland Raceway in Florida. As Dusty said, 
Check out all their social media. Dusty does a great job. There's going to be a lot of information on it. Other tracks, let's do it. Let's figure figure out a way where other people, either if you can't hold a race that night, somehow get involved. Uh, reach out to Dusty. Let's just make this uh, a, just a magnificent event for a magnificent person. And Dusty, we can't thank you enough here at RC Underground Radio for doing this for Ron because he's very important to all of us. Um, and just for what you do for this hobby, for the one RC hobby, um, you're, you, you've been one of the originals and you continue to, uh, have a passion and creativity. If, if there's any track in the country that, uh, is just doing it right. Um, it's you and your crew at Chiefland Raceway. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Right now, our guests are a couple of off-road racers who are going to help uh, help a couple of oval dirt nerds try to understand this fascinating hobby. We've had a couple of uh, guests on the last couple of weeks into the off-road world, and now we've probably got two of the biggest stars um, of this form of racing. So we're really excited to have you guys on. We want to welcome uh, Adam and Rhonda to the show. Thanks for joining me tonight. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, uh, some of the things I really uh, enjoyed kind of checking in on you guys is just you really take it seriously. Like, you really take the hobby to a next level. My first question right out of the gate is, you know, just tell me a little bit about your background, how you guys got started in this. Yeah, I mean, both of us just started, you know, purely as a hobby. It was just something that was fun and cool. Um, I think one of the misconceptions from a lot of people with Rhonda and myself is that I was racing and then got my wife into racing. And that's actually not the case. Rhonda actually started racing um, a, yeah, a year or two before me, um, completely different parts of the country. She was here in California and I started racing in both South Carolina and Michigan um, because my I lived with my mom in South Carolina. My dad lived in Michigan. Mm -hmm. So depending on, um, you know, where I was at in the summers, I would be racing in Michigan and Ohio. And then the rest of the year, I'd be racing in like South Carolina and Georgia. But for me, I had just gotten a car, uh, didn't know anything about racing. Um, I was actually into racing motocross and just had an RC car to kind of play around with between racing at the motocross track or even sometimes uh, when we were camping at the motocross races. And for Rhonda, it was uh, her brother-in-law. Yeah, my brother-in-law got me started in the hobby. And I think it was like 1989. And it was just some like crappy little car that <laughs> I loved. And we put a Ferrari body on an off-road car, but I didn't care, you know, as a basher. And then we went down to this track and... He got me started racing, and then he couldn't race anymore, so I had to learn how to do it myself. And at the time, I think I was about 12, 12 years old, and I just had my mom drop me off at the track, and I wanted to do it. So um, I had to learn the mechanics, and I don't know, 34 years, it's a hard to go over 34 years in, in an hour podcast, but uh, <laughs> right. I just didn't want to be just mediocre at it. I wanted to be really good at it. And uh, just over the years evolving from tent one tent scale electric to gas truck, one tent scale gas truck. 
and then into the 1.8 scale nitro cars as well. And then I like electric 110 scale indoor, but I really, really prefer the 1.8 scale um, nitro cars outdoor and, and everything else like that. And with all the races, it's hard to do everything 10 scale on road, off road. So I just, Adam says, if you want to be good at something, stick to one thing. And yeah. So at one time, Rod, I, I was reading that uh, you were actually a low C team driver, right? Like back in the 90s? Uh, yeah, correct. Yes. And then yeah. um, when the eight scale stuff blew up, I went over to uh, Mugen. And then for a short minute, I went to, back to TLR, but then went back to Mugen. So Mugen's my home. It's always been my home. Cool. So you, yeah. So you talked a little bit about uh, that you did run some electric. How about how about you, Adam? Did you run? Uh, yeah, that's well? that's that's also where I kind of started racing. Um, was in ten scale electric off road. Um, also raced a little bit of touring car, dirt oval, um, kind of a little bit of everything. But my main focus was ten scale off road. And then I went to work for Horizon and Losi. Um, in 2000 to basically help them kind of develop their nitro program. Um, even though I, for me, nitro was still kind of new. Um, I was just young and ambitious and just kind of willing to do whatever I needed to do. Um, that mm-hmm. was kind of my end to go to be able to work in the industry. And um, I think it was kind of the job at the time that none of their other top racers wanted to deal with. I don't think they wanted to kind of take on the nitro project. And for me, it just, fortunately, that's kind of the way that the market went and kind of blew up. So it actually worked out really well for me. And I also think like with nitro, there's, there's just more elements. So there's, there's a lot more to kind of learn and take on, um, which has kind of helped me over the years, I guess you could say. Like, somebody's brand new at it, right? Like, like we are yeah. just try, trying to delve into it and really understand it. Um, what, what are some of like different classes or categories of RC, uh, nitro? And you know, how do they differ to, to be able to race nitro off road? Now it's, it's eight scale and eight scale cars are a little bit bigger. Um, the engines are a little bit bigger, more expensive. Um, you do see a number of guys kind of transition from, eight scale electric buggy and truck into nitro. But honestly, if, if you don't kind of have some help or guidance at your local track, it's really easy to get discouraged and just go back to electric. Um, the electric stuff has come so far and it's, it's so plug and play. There's very little maintenance that's required for the batteries and the motors where nitro is a lot more mechanical. Um, you know, having to actually tune the engines, tune the clutch, service and maintain the clutch. So it can be intimidating. And that's, that's kind of one of the reasons why I started doing all the videos and stuff was to kind of try to teach the basics of just RC. Like, it's funny because like early on, you know, some of the racers would almost kind of like criticize in a way like, that the videos were just kind of like so short or basic. What we tend to forget as racers, like there's certain terms and there's a lot of things with RC that don't cross over from another industry. So um, some of the videos are a bit more advanced, but a lot of them are very basic just to try to help 
give people knowledge so that they don't get discouraged about nitro and either choose a different hobby or go back to electric. I was just thoroughly impressed on your website that, I mean, I don't know how you find all the time to do it, to be honest with you. You give a lot of information, um, much like a gentleman in our genre, which is uh, uh, Matt Murphy. Um, you know, you, you've learned the smart way around this is give the information, help people yeah. uh, enjoy this hobby. If they're going to be successful in it, that's always going to be on their shoulders, right? Correct. You can take them 90% of the way and they still got to find that extra 10%. Yeah. Where, um, but, you know, I really applaud that effort because that's like you and like Matt and people like that, that that's what the sport needs is people that will take the time and say, Hey, if we're going to grow this sport, we're not going to, we're not going to grow on just the people we have. Because at yeah. some point they're going to get older or they're going to start having kids or their kids themselves and they're going to do other things. If we're going to keep them in this hobby, we have to keep them um, happy and having good experiences at the racetrack. Um, and, and you guys are doing that. Um, that's, that's what drew me to you guys, to be completely honest, is you know, you're out on social media and I'm like, whoa, these people get it. Right. Like this is more than just it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Yeah. And I was going to, that's what that's, but that's what intrigued me, you know? So, so just know when you guys are doing all this work, like you're people are watching, <laughs> people are watching yeah. the um, amount of emails that he gets. It was just easier to send links to the information that we had already put out there instead of answering the same question, you know, 300 times, you know, so that's that was part of it. The videos, we send a link to the video. We send a link to the website if they have information or, you know, questions about engines and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, with both of us starting in the hobby at such a young age and not having that information available. And now with technology, it's like we just we're just trying to kind of do our part to, you know, help again, not discourage and it doesn't matter if you're young or old, just trying to not discourage people because it can be really intimidating. If you just show up at your local track, you know, first time and you don't know someone, it's not very inviting. Um, yeah. So trying to make sure that people are able to prepare their cars to where when they do um, end up at a racetrack, you know, they, they kind of feel like they fit in a little bit um, is, is kind of one of the goals. Yeah, but nobody, there's no handbook to, you have to break your clutch in before you go out. You know, um, you have to break, you know, have the engine. If it's not broken, it's a, you know, you're sitting there for half the day idling tanks. And then most people don't know that if you're getting into it, you know. Mm. So, I mean, there's a lot of little things that, you're just like, I just want to go play with this thing, but you got to like take the steps to get to that point. Yeah. Yeah. You have to treat it as a real race car, right? Mm -hmm. That's why I was real impressed too with, uh, with the website. I see that you have the motor break in, you know, offerings that you do. And as you just explained Rhonda, that's, that shows that that side of it, not even just as a business, but just as such an important part. Like if somebody doesn't break it in, they're, they're going to break it. And that really came from a couple of our close friends kind of pushing us to do that. Since, um, you know, early 2000s, late 90s, um, you know, when I was first getting into Nitro, I don't know, I just kind of took a, um, it was kind of just my knack, I guess, a little bit, you know, it, was, it definitely wasn't easy, but I wanted to try to learn the ins and outs and 
figure out the engines and it, it became kind of uh, like a passion for me. And I've, I've kind of been known, I guess, a little bit as like the engine guru or runtime guru um, within the Nitro community. When we first started like with the engine break-in service, it was, it was purely just we were doing some trial and error to kind of improve the process for ourselves. And it turned into something that we thought um, would be helpful for people. Um, but I also was a little bit like intimidated where I'm like, man, I don't, th this is the worst part of nitro. Mm -hmm. The nitro experience is trying to break in your engine. I don't know that I really want to deal with this with, you know, with everyone, but a couple of our close friends basically pushed us and, and they said just a few things that kind of sunk in. It was, um, a, a close friend of our Shane basically told us like, this makes the nitro experience more enjoyable. And that kind of just sunk in. And I was like, man, you know, with technology and brushless and lipo and everything getting easier, you know, nitro could die in a sense, like, because nitro is not getting any easier. It's, it's so difficult to, you know, figure out, especially until the engine's broken in. And nobody had ever done it before. So you, you, you know, you're kind of the first to come out big with it. And then you have a few naysayers. That's not how you're supposed to do it. That's not how you break in an engine and this and that. And now it's like the standard today. Yeah. So yeah. you're always going to have those. You're always going to have the, yeah. haters, right? Yeah. You're always, they think they can do it better. You, know, <laughs> yeah. you, you guys are, you guys are on the right course for sure. Obviously you're making a lot of people happy and uh, people that are very thankful that you provide that service because they go out there now and they have a lot more fun. Well, and even even for like top level guys that you know that I'm I've been competing against for twenty years, like these guys know what they're doing. They know how to break in an engine the old fashioned way. But again, it's it's still not fun and enjoyable. And having those guys embrace our service and use it also gave us a lot of credibility initially. To where you know, again, if if you're taking guys that are the best in the world and know what they're doing and they're still sending their engines to us, that kind of says a lot. So, And the 50 bucks, I mean, you're going to spend that breaking the engine in, so you might as well just have it done. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, yeah. If, if, if you're that immersed in the hobby, $50 shouldn't be the difference. And if it's yeah. 50, I always say in racing, no matter what form, and whether you're in full sales racing or whatever, you can't let money stand in the way of your ability to enjoy what you're doing, especially yeah. you know, like one thing that fascinates me with nitro is like, you guys travel a lot. Like to yeah. some of the other, you know, Bella and Aiden that we talked to, like how much young racers like that are traveling to multiple States. I can't even imagine. Maybe you could give us a little idea. Like how many States have you raced in just this Almost year? Almost everyone. Yeah. I mean, I would, I mean, there's probably only a few that I haven't, um, I mean, uh, for me, I, it's, it's difficult to keep track of because I'm gone all the time, but I mean, yeah, I, the one, I, the one year, what, 150 something days. No, it was like 180 some days, days that gone. I basically stayed in a hotel room for racing. Oh. So well, don't tell me you've been in Wisconsin already. No, oh, not this goodness. year. No, not this year. Any plans to run this year? Um, not, well, this year's almost over, so I don't, yeah, and it's, it's going to get pretty cold in Wisconsin. So, yeah, uh, well, I didn't know maybe if there was like an indoor thing or, cause like we do have track side here and I know they yeah. do 
they do some big big events there. Have you raced there? Have you raced at Trackside before? No, I haven't no, been to Trackside. No, Scotty Ernst. Well, obviously, he was a uh, previous owner of Trackside. And um, yep. I, in fact, I think Trackside has an associated race coming up in a few weeks. Um, so, yeah, I've seen you know lots of videos and stuff and coverage from LiveRC and Mod Media from the different events there. Sure, sure. Well, I'm going to keep track next summer. If you guys are coming this way, definitely want to hook up with you guys and get, okay. get to spend some time with you. So, you know, you talk about other, you know, world-class racers and stuff. Let's not kid anybody. You guys are really good at this too. You don't just work on them. You, uh, you win in them a lot. Uh, and you're, and you, I, from people I've talked to just to get some background, you guys are looked at as some of the world-class racers in this nitro stuff. So, and I know we you're not going to say it. You're not going to say it yourself. I know you're not going to do that, but no, we still feel like we're big nerds. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, especially hey. now that we get older. But I, right? I think that's also, are. I think that's also a big part of like the longevity and and even some of the success is that we we even today we're we're not doing this because we look at it as a job. Like tonight, we're going to go to the track our local track thunder alley and just go practice. It's, it's because it's what we do. It's not because we're forced mm-hmm. to, I mean, a lot of guys that race at the highest level, they kind of lose that passion for just enjoying the hobby. And all they're thinking about is, you know, almost being bummed out because they have to like get on another plane and go travel to go to work. Um, because they look at it as work. I mean, yes, it is a lot of work. It is a lot of, long hours it is a lot of traveling but but i don't think we have the pressure that they do we do it just because we truly love it and we want to do the best but those guys are like i have to win i have to win you know or or i'm not gonna have a ride next year kind of thing we're we've done it so long that it's it's to the point where it's it's simply what we want to do well and, and from day one like i mean i i raced competitively and, a, and at a pretty high level before moving to California to go work for Horizon and Losi. But um, for me, from day one, like I always wanted to be able to do more than just race within the industry. I knew that being just a racer um, is a pretty short career. You have a pretty short window to be able to be successful. Um, And it's also a challenge, just like Rhonda was saying, like the pressure of if you don't perform, you don't get a new contract or you don't get a new contract that you're excited about. So for me, I always had, I guess, a little bit of extra stability where, yes, I was I was hired to perform and get good results. But I also was working day to day in the office. from a very, very, you know, early stage. Um, and it's the same thing now with Mugen. Like when I left Horizon and went to work for Mugen, their, their initial appeal was, Hey, he's a great racer and he can get results for us, but he's also an asset because of the experience that I have from a testing and development and manufacturing standpoint. So for me, I just always kind of looked at it a little different because, again, like having a motocross background, you see these guys jumping around, switching teams every year or two. Um, and, again, their window to be able to race and perform is, is such a short number of years that um, 
I love doing this, so I want to be able to do it as long as I can. And if results-wise, um, you know, you're not getting those wins, the company, you still have a ton of value to the company um, or the different companies um, because of the social media presence and because of the knowledge that you have and doing the clinics and being willing to attend smaller races that don't have uh, a bonus program, but you're just going to it because you love it and because you've met friends in different areas and you just want to go hang out and race with them. Mm. Um, I think, I think we just do it a little bit more genuine or, or natural than, than a lot of guys, because we're not, we're not looking at it as, Oh, I'm not going to that race because I don't have an opportunity to win bonus money. That's, mm. that's never the case for me. So, right. Right. You're doing it for the true love of the, of the sport. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. awesome. Uh, Clear about one thing. You're talking about local tracks, um, and you just talked about the, the about your your local track. Now, I also saw which is Thunder Alley, but I also saw where there's the Drake Raceway at Palm Desert. Yep. So how does what's that? Yeah. So about a year, so the Palm Desert track's been been around for about 20 years. Okay. Um, it's had a few different owners. It's on uh, property that's owned by the city of Palm Desert. Um. And then it's just leased from the city. And a couple of our friends, Chris Rogers and Jeff Ewing, uh, they own the track for a few years and kind of reached out to us a little over a year ago and said, man, you guys would be perfect to own this. And we kind of <laughs> laughed and said, not a chance. Um, you know, we would rather show up, pay our 20 bucks and practice a race and not have to worry about all the, the headaches. Um, you know, it's a lot of work. <laughs> a, a, a track is difficult because no matter how much effort you put in, it's too wet or too dry or the jumps are too big or too small or your hours aren't what work for certain people. Um, but our main thing was the Toys for Tots race um, originated um, out here, at least in California. Like the, the original Toys for Tots race started in Palm Desert. Um it's, it's been there, I think this year will be the 19th consecutive year. Um, and if it was kind of like if we didn't take over the track, that race would have not happened last year. So for us, that was really important. It's a race we've supported uh, for many, many years. So, um, yeah, we acquired the track from Chris and Jeff. Chris was uh, moving to Arizona and Jeff was having some health problems. And just just basically couldn't do it anymore. We took on more jobs than and uh, <laughs> than we can handle, but yeah, it so, all gets done. And and for us, like you know, we wanted we want to be able to like improve it and make a difference. And um, we want it as as what we would want from racers. So we try to put our heart and soul into that as well. And we have a good group of locals too. Like I think one thing that makes it possible for us is that in palm desert it's so hot in the summer the track's closed so it gives us mm -hmm. it gives us a little bit of a break um it allows us to be able to go and support other local tracks and, and obviously travel a bunch as well um but during like this time of year through maybe like march um is kind of our season for the track so we have like a six-month window where the weather is really nice there 
the track's only 40 minutes away from us here, but the weather can be substantially different. So mm. In the winter months when we get rain at all the other kind of Southern California tracks, a lot of times it doesn't hit Palm Desert. And it's also usually like 15 or 20 degrees warmer there. So hmm. um, cold nights and, you know, when, when guys don't want to be at and support the other tracks, uh, we can open up and, and have racing and um, practice. We have Daniel Adams from ProLine that runs the program for us. And, um, we just recently had a JBRL there. We have a top notch race coming up in a couple weeks. And then, uh, obviously the toys for tots race is always the first Saturday of December. That's great. Well, that's great. I mean, you're involved with the hobby. You're keeping the yeah. hobby exciting. You're paying back, you're paying it forward in the hobby. I mean, you guys are, are checking all the boxes and, and covering it. Another thing I see, that uh, it appears you do to help racers um, is that OS21 motor trade-in program. Yeah. So how, how does that work? So that kind of started uh, when, when we made the switch or transition to OS from Novorossi. Um, people who have run OS stuff know that it's, they're the leader in nitro engines. Um, they, they manufacture engines for almost all the other brands out there, um, like Flashpoint and Ultimate and Ninja, I mean, they're, they make engines for, for almost everyone. The, the problem with it is they're made in Japan and they're a little bit more expensive than some of the other engines on the market. So when we made the switch to OS, um, we wanted to be able to offer engines at a more reasonable price to guys who were maybe on the fence, guys that were Novorossi customers or, you know, maybe used to running a little bit lesser expensive engines. I wanted to be able to offer them engines at a lesser price or be able to offer them a discount. So we're able to offer them a discount if they trade in any OS-based engine. So it doesn't have to necessarily be an OS engine, but it has to be an engine that was manufactured by OS where we give credit off on any new engine through our website. And then what we do with those engines that are traded in, if they're in good, in uh, like good shape, we'll disassemble clean, fully rebuild with new bearings, new piston sleeve and rod, break in, um, new glow plug, and we'll be able to sell them as a rebuilt engine also at a lower cost. So it's, it's kind of, trying to make like different levels or stages to allow people to get into different OS based engines. So, um, some guys don't care if, if the cooling head or the case has little nicks or scratches when internally the engine is brand new. Um, so they can buy a rebuilt engine at a lower price. Um, we have some guys that just, once they feel they've kind of used up or gotten the life out of their new engine, they don't worry about rebuilding or, or doing much with it. They just trade it in, get credit and just slap a new one in and go. Mm -hmm. So, um, again, it's just, uh, mainly just to try to create different opportunities and different levels for people, um, to be able to get into OS engines. Sure. That's awesome. Yeah. The, the website is, is amazing. Very well done. I don't know if you guys are doing that in house. Yeah. Ron, Rhonda does all of that. So what don't took you guys do? Took me hours do? or months. What don't you guys do? No, I mean just everything. It's it's eye catching, you know. I'm 
I come from a marketing background, so that's the usually Ryan, my co-host, is with. He he uh, he's more the nuts and bolts guy. I'm more the marketing guy, you know. So okay. like, how you're using the purples and the you know and the colors and and you got your own private label uh, you know motor lines and stuff. So I went yeah. to school for web design and programming. Nice, nice. So. Um, well, it's definitely shows. A little bit of marketing. Job. <laughs> okay, well, so, you. I mean, here's here's the elephant in the room, right? You're a husband and wife RC racing team. <laughs> it's not like there's 16 of them on the block, right? Like, you guys, yeah. it's uh, it's refreshing. I, I, I'm i hoping that a lot of RC racers go, you know, I never thought about my wife racing. You should do it. I would, I would imagine... I mean, you guys have been married a pretty long time, so it must be working out okay. So yeah, yeah, a little over. We've been married a little over fourteen years. I appreciate that you guys are so transparent. I mean, you've got two websites. Um, it's fantastic how you know Adam. You're you're not shy to say how much you love your wife, and you post that yeah. on your website. I mean, that makes people connect, right? And I know you're not yeah. doing it for that. You're not doing it for no. marketing reasons. Yeah. It's just from your heart, and yeah, um, yeah, just. You know, again, that's what drew me to you guys and your story. And I'm like, we got to talk to them because you're doing it right, right? You're sharing this together. It's not like Adam's off racing and you're home or vice versa. You're off, you know, racing and he's home. You know, you're you're spending a lot of quality time together. And that's what this hobby can do. We talk about fellowship all the time, right? But we're usually talking about fellowship between different drivers that come from different places and meet up and race, like, mm-hmm. let's not lose track that it can be a husband and wife. It can be brothers. It can be sisters. It can be cousins. It doesn't yeah. matter. Um, take advantage of what this hobby provides uh, in terms of being able to spend to get time together and stuff. So, but got to ask a couple questions now. You know, <laughs> not, not not trying to divide the room, but got a couple <laughs> questions. So, do you guys ever race against each other? Yes. Yeah, all the time. Um. Okay. Yeah, I know. I know. I think I know the next questions that are coming. <laughs> oh boy! No, I think I've got to throw you on this one. Okay, I'm throw all right. You on this one. So, uh, so I'm on the website, and and this isn't to put uh, you know Adam on the spot, but how come Rhonda has an RD one and RD two, and you have an AD two and an AD three? Now, why didn't you have wow. an AD one? And why so I did. She have an RD three. Yeah. So so I. I did have a 81. Oh, okay. Um, okay. And then when we did the 82, OS had actually reached out to us about doing a Ronda edition engine. So her engine, her her Ronda 2 is the same configuration as an 83. Uh, and her okay. Ronda 1 is the same as an 82, but because when we did the original 81, there was never a Rhonda. It's her numbering is, is one behind, but they're actually Rhonda two is the same as 83. Um, it was, it was kind of confusing. Like with, with OS, we had talked to them about, you know, let's just do it as a Rhonda two. When the 82 was out, let's do it as a Rhonda three. When the 83 was out, but, OS was like, well, this isn't the Ron- the second Ronda or the third Ronda. Um, so, yeah, the it, it was just that when we did the 81, there was just an 81. Okay. See, it took all the wind out of my sails. I thought that yeah. was like a really good, like, 
I'm thinking, okay, he didn't. There's do a the divide 80. there. <laughs> he didn't do the 81 because he wanted to make proof of concept. So let's make Rhonda put a motor out and see if it works, right? And then I thought, well, okay, well now that it works, yeah, he's going to do the 83. It wasn't. It's not. Well, it's kind of funny so because like when when OS reached out to us about wanting to do the Rhonda edition engine, Rhonda I think was a little like scared or hesitant because I didn't, you know I didn't think a bunch of guys would want a pink engine. Yeah, I mean, you know, and she, I was wrong. <laughs> you know, she's raced, you know, for a very, very long time. But it's she knows, like, for example, like in racing, no one wants to get beat by the girl or a woman. Mm -hmm. You know, it's um, no masculine man, you know, wants to be beat by some pink car. Um, <laughs> so she's kind of dealt with that the entire time that she's raced. And so I think a little bit of that was kind of in the back of her head of like, well, what man's going to want to buy an engine that has a woman's name on it? And she was like, basically telling me like, you need to order conservatively with this because, you know, I don't want to get stuck with a bunch of pink engines. Yeah. Um, but that, that was definitely not the case. Um, you know, I think a lot of guys embraced it because it looked cool because it was a really good performing engine. And because, they have respect for for her as well. So sure. Um, and OS have never done really colors like that very much. They're very conservative with the colors on the engine as well. So yeah, that's, that that kind of stuff sells, you know. I mean, and yeah, and I think it falls under the category of you know, if you can't beat them, buy them, right? But it's a little yeah. different than say business where yeah, you know, if you can't beat a competitor, you buy them. In this situation, they couldn't beat you on the track, so maybe we should run what she's running. <laughs> Yeah. And so that that's awesome. No, I if I was running it, I know I wouldn't have an issue as long as that's the motor. Like yeah. And and most people awesome. don't. But there are some people that when she makes a clean pass on them, you can see the extra aggression come out because <laughs> they don't want probably they don't want to hear it from their friends, you know, like Man, that pink car put a sweet pass on you. I can be um, aggressive right. too, but that's okay. Well, I, you know, I, I don't know if I should bring it up. So you tell me if we if we can keep this in the show. But I did see the I did see the race where uh, you guys came to uh, you and another driver came together on the last lap. He initially got the win. Uh, let's just say you were less than happy, right? Oh yeah. But, yeah. but then they uh, they looked at the video. They reversed it, and then it looked like. Everything, everything finished the way that it should. You got, you got the win as you should have. Yeah. And I mean, Richard and I are long-term friends and everything, but I mean, those were really emotions. I'm not going to lie. I was just like, that was just so dirty. And I, in my head, I was like, he's going to get it back. Um, but uh, yeah, like you said, it all worked out. There was a video and all that. I think where I get the most upset about that is like, we have race officials, we have race directors. Why doesn't anybody call that anymore? And because I come from the old school, they used to do that. So more than anything, uh, just that it's just there's a lot of stuff that's unfair and you just have to go with it. Like Adam just dealt with it. Um, a driver didn't pass the line, but he but the uh, he actually flew across the loop backwards. Yeah. And they initially awarded him the win. And I'm like, because the computer counted that yeah, as sure. the win. Yeah. Crush but he never rounded the corner and went over the line. So, 
I just, I'm old school. What's right is right. What's wrong is wrong. You know, so. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, especially in this day and age where everybody's got a phone out, right? If it's a good race, mm-hmm. everybody's yeah. videotaping it. So there's got to be, there's plenty of media there to, to kind of validate, you know, a finish like that. That's crazy. Run but to go back to Richard, we're, we're friends. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. You still park next to each other in the pit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> Uh, and then Adam, I was checking out your site and I stopped in my tracks when I saw that you had run a dirt oval car. <laughs> now, is that something you do or was that like, yeah, so I, so I do it every year at the Mugen challenge. It, it's actually funny because like, um, I text Kevin all the time, the, one of the owners of LCRC, him and his wife own, uh, own that track, which has a off-road track and also a dirt oval. And when I, when I do the Mugen challenge, I basically just rent or use Kevin's car for the race. Okay. Um, and I always kind of joke with him, like, it's so much fun. It draws such a crowd for the event that we need to do it every night. And he's like, there's not enough parts available for us <laughs> to do it every night because it, <laughs> I mean, even like this year we ran qualifying and I qualified first and Mayfield was second. And then before we go up for the main, Mayfield goes, just so you know, if I don't win, you will not finish. So basically, if he's not winning, he's going to make sure that I don't win. Um, and, At least he's honest about it, right? At yeah, least he's upfront yeah. about it so you know what to watch for. Yeah. So it it, it always kind of starts off fairly clean and you know a a good race and then turns into a bit of chaos um (laughs) but the car that kevin has built is is pretty awesome it's it's a mugen car but um it's funny because you ask him and he doesn't know what's in the diffs he doesn't know what's in the shocks um it pretty much only gets used by me once a year now um but the the car is is pretty incredible um to drive but I, I have raced dirt oval um, in my early days of racing at our local track in Savannah, Georgia. It used to have a dirt oval around the outside of the off-road track. And for like our club series, we would always do like two weeks of off-road, a weekend off, and then two weeks of oval. And you had to do both to be able to kind of compete in the different club series. So I never was like, really into or like I didn't have separate dirt oval cars when I raced like I would have to from week to week just kind of convert my off-road cars back and forth um to be able to run dirt oval so so I have raced some dirt oval but it's not something that um I do on a regular basis I, I would like to it's actually a lot of fun and and what I think is is also kind of funny is you know, especially like with off-road racers, you know, they'll go like, well, you know, how hard can it be? You just go in a circle, you know, or go in an oval, but it's so intense because you're doing so many laps. So even though it's like a short race, the attention span and focus with the speeds you're going and especially in like nitro late model, like you're dodging cars because at, at least from like the, the little bit of racing I've done, there's always like a couple really competitive cars and then a couple not so competitive cars. And that just adds to the mix of 
um, the chaos basically, but it's, right. it's a lot of fun and, um, yeah, I really enjoy it. So, so you guys travel a lot on the road, obviously. So maybe Rhonda can share some funny stories. Just your, um, when you were in the drive-thru with Mark Pavitas at the uh, Burger yeah. King. <laughs> yeah, I had uh, a faulty rental car. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. You yeah, we were, we were at a, uh, it was actually at the Nationals in 2007. Um, that day of, I don't remember if it was a practice day or qualifying day, but that day actually got rained out. So a lot of the guys we were all staying at this hotel that had kind of like a restaurant and bar in the front of it. And, um, I'm not much of a drinker or party or whatever. So I was working on my stuff and decided to go grab some dinner, just drove across the street to the Burger King. And, uh, it was just me in the van and I'm getting ready to order my food. And someone like bumps into the back of me, they're honking their horn, trying to like, you know, push me forward. And, <laughs> I look in the rearview mirror, it's Mark Pavita, so I'm like backing into him and he's bumping into me and I'm trying to order my food. He's honking his horn and just we're just goofing off, messing around, you know, not not hitting the cars hard, but just kind of messing around with one another. And when I got ready, once I got my food and I got ready to pull out of the drive through, um, I had the parking brake on and was basically doing a burnout to kind of smoke Mark out when he had to pull up to get his food. And um, the drive-through goes straight, and then at 90s to the left to go out into the parking lot. And uh, I pulled the e-brake as I was going around the corner, hit the curb, and broke the rear axle off the, the van. But you said the brake cable was, like, rolling with the... Yeah, so when I hit the curb, I thought just the tire went flat. And, like, when I looked over my shoulder wheel brake ascent like literally broke off and is like going past me in the grass and in my head you know you're just kind of like in a state of panic and i'm like i've got to get that so i can get out of here not realizing like the rear of the van is like dragging <laughs> the ground um so then mark mark sees me hit the curb but he doesn't see me because there's like bushes and stuff and i kind of rounded the corner so he gets his food and he's he's going to pull out and he sees me carrying the tire trying to like throw it in the side door of the van. And he's like laughing, spits his drink out, he's recording me with his phone and um, needless to say, like that was the moment for me where I'm like, now I drive every rental car as if it's my own um, because I was... You were scared. I'm basically scared that I'm going to lose my job. The you know the the car was rented in the company's name with with their insurance and everything, but uh, everything worked out and was was fine. They so, brought you another rental van. Yeah, they brought brought another van, and um, nothing ever happened from it. So it uh, I was like dodged a bullet and lesson learned. Um, the things you do when you're young. Yeah, I was I was much younger at the time too, but I mean with our travel, I mean we've I think the the best thing is just the some of the amazing places you would never expect to be uh either so beautiful or so much fun and also the people that we've met along the way. Like we we went a couple of years ago to Libby, Montana 
uh, for a fairly small race. I was going to do a clinic and um, actually Rhonda got sick and couldn't go the first year. And that's now kind of turned into uh, what we consider just like a, you know, an annual family trip and race to attend. And the people are so awesome. It's such a beautiful area. Um, you know, we tried to go hiking and this year we uh, rented a boat with a group of our friends and um, just made it more than just, just another race. Float the river yeah. on the pontoons. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I mean, again, I hope, I hope a lot of people are, are, this is resonating with them. Like, yeah, you got to be involved in this hobby with your spouse. Like you guys are getting such an enrichment and so much more out of it than I think most people do. And I think they wouldn't be get out of the hobby as fast as they do. Right. Because a lot of times you talk to people say, well, you know, I race a lot, so I miss a lot of time with my wife, or I miss a lot of time with my family. If yeah. you, there's no nothing wrong with mixing the two together. Obviously, obviously, Correct. you guys are the you know the case study of that. So, um, yeah, and it, it can and, be on different levels too. You know, like if if your wife or your daughter is intimidated by the racing because it can be a little intimidating because it's all men. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe you're you're part of the pit crew. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, or maybe the other way around, maybe, you know, the wife just wants to race and the husband loves wrenching and, you know, that can, that can work out well too. So, um, that's one of the things that's so cool about this hobby is that it's, it's for everyone, you know, all right. ages, um, you know, there's super young kids, there's really old people, men, women, um, we can all do this, you know, people who are even in wheelchairs and handicap and, um, you know, missing limbs. It's like, you can, you can still do this. Um, it's to me, that's, that's part of what makes it so awesome. You know, there's people who work construction jobs to people who are doctors or dentists. Um, you know, it's just, it's such a wide variety of, of people that make it really cool. So in our second season here, kind of our theme is what, uh, what do tracks do right? What do tracks do wrong? After all these years, why would you be excited to go to an event? Uh, what's happening at that event that, that really drives you to go? That's a tough question because I always think that tracks could be more technical than what they are today. Um, you know, everybody's going to do what they're going to do and how they think it's best and everything. And, you know, you talk to track owners and they're like, well, I'm making it kind of easy for everybody. And I'm like, well, okay, but this is racing. You want it challenging, you know? So how do you find that happy medium? You know, like even the layout that we did at our track, I still want it more technical, you know, but that's just <laughs> how I am sure. and everything. Um, but I just think it's with anything you do, you give a hundred percent and you just try to do the best, you know, try to get the best results you can and everything. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a tough question. What, yeah, I mean, I, th think? I think just trying to have a, you know, inviting fun atmosphere yeah. because mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. some of the tracks, you can tell that they're there to make money. You know, it's like, Anyone who owns a track or who owns a hobby shop, for the most part, 
they're doing it because at one point it was their passion and eventually that gets sucked out of them and they're just kind of like, you know, come on in race or practice and then get out of here. And that's where we're different though. We put love into everything that we do. And if we didn't do it, then we, we wouldn't do it. You know, like you have to put love into everything you do. And, and it can be difficult, you know, like sometimes dealing with certain people is, is a challenge and they can suck that passion out of you. But, but I think when you have a goal that those kind of people don't even bother you when you're trucking forward. I'm kind of curious of what the questions Rhonda thought I was going to ask. The typical, have I beat Adam before? (laughs) (laughs) And I have a couple times. Um, Obviously, he is is at a higher level and everything else like that. But he's had some issues mechanically. And, uh, I mean, he's my mechanic as well. (laughs) But, you know, it just happens, you know. And I have beat him a couple times. Um uh, I beat him at that Montana race and I would have had Treggy too. And then I had an issue. So, <laughs> but, uh, but no, I, that's what I thought you were going to ask. Hopefully somebody's going to walk away from this episode and want to get involved. Like you said, it could be, it could be young. It could be old. It could be somebody who's in another form of the, of the hobby that says, you know what? I have been a little disenchanted, but this nitro thing sounds exactly what I need. So, and you mentioned it, it can be overwhelming. So obviously yeah. going to drakeracing.com is the first place they need to go because uh, for myself, just trying to learn a little bit more about this hobby, that really helped me. And it, I tried to look at it from that perspective. Like what if I was getting into this? What kind of you know specific tips or advice could you give somebody who says, I got the money to do it. I, I just want to jump in. I think the big thing is just, don't be afraid to ask questions and also know that there's going to be some growing pains. And honestly, that's the case with anything racing. It doesn't matter if it is electric, that's a little bit more plug and play and a little bit more simple. You're still not going to know it all the first time you hit the track. I mean, we've been racing a long time and I still learn stuff all the time at the races. So I think the big thing is just, understand and and almost appreciate some of those growing pains because it will make you appreciate that much more when everything does kind of get ironed out and you figure out and you have some success if if it all just worked out you wouldn't realize you know how challenging it is and also how rewarding it can be when it all works out everything's a process and the other thing is don't get caught up with sponsorship. It's kind of like high school. Like you feel like when you're down at the track, you've got to be sponsored and you have to do certain things a certain way or any of that. I think just just have fun doing it and don't get caught up with the politics of it. Well, and if there is certain brands that you're really into and you strive to like be a part of or be sponsored – Work your ass off until you you reach the goals of of being sponsored by them. Don't don't just go a different route just because there's another opportunity there. You know, like I think that's where a lot of people do get discouraged. Is you know, say they they want to run for company A and they don't have any openings right now, so they try to run for company B, which isn't the same level company or they're not super happy 
with the product and they have problems and they have supply chain problems and you can't get parts, next thing you know, you're frustrated and you want to sell all your stuff and get out of it. It's mm -hmm. anytime someone walked into a hobby store for the first time to get an RC car, they were never thinking about, man, one day I'm going to get this stuff at a discount. They went in there because it was cool because they were excited about it. And don't lose track of that. Don't just because someone around you maybe has some discount, but again, it's for brand B. If you're into brand A, work hard and do the best that you can to hopefully in, have more enjoyment and then possibly someday, you know, maybe get a sponsorship or get a discount from them because we see it, especially here in Southern California, because everyone tries to be the serious racer and they jump around, they try different tires, engines, cars, fuel, you name it. And then they have a problem, you know, they, they don't finish races or their engines don't run as well. And then the next thing you know, you don't see those guys anymore. Yeah. And, you know, if they would have just stuck with it. And, and the thing also with sponsorship is I don't know of anyone who's gotten sponsored and actually saved money. You actually just have more stuff like, because whatever your budget is, is what your budget is. So if you have a hundred dollars to spend, you're still going to spend that hundred dollars. You're just going to get more stuff. Um, and I know that sounds crazy. I mean, we all want to save money and get a discount on stuff, but, um, in racing, it seems like if, if you're saving money on tires, you're just buying more tires or you're buying more sure. batteries because you saved on tires. Um, so just don't, don't lose track of why you're doing this and the products that you enjoy and support. Um, you know, don't, don't go other directions just because on paper or on the outside, it looks like a better deal because it, it's not always a better deal. Uh, can't thank you enough for for coming on the show tonight. Uh, it's been a pleasure to to be able to talk with you guys because uh, you're as exciting and as fun and and just laid back as uh, anticipated from uh, checking out all your social media and stuff. So just keep doing what you're doing. Anytime you're thinking, man, this is a grind. Just know there's you know at least one dude in Wisconsin who thinks you guys are awesome and doing a great <laughs> thing for the hobby. So. I mean, I think more than anything, we just want to thank thank you for having us and thank everyone for listening and watching. Um, you know, obviously all of our sponsors for supporting us and allowing us to do what we love to do. Um, but basically just, you know, everyone who's watching and liking the stuff that we do and, and even the people who don't. Like we, you know, we appreciate and we accept the criticism as well because from that we can learn and, and try to improve things as well. Hope that you guys have a, a, a great night and thanks for joining us. Same to you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. We appreciate it as well. You've been listening to RC Underground Radio. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, drop us a line at rcuradio at gmail.com. We're curious to know what do you like? What don't you like? Who would you like us to talk to? Really weird. It was weird, but you know what I meant. We're talking about oh, racing, so okay. you can find us on Spotify, Facebook, and YouTube. C
see you next time on the RC Underground Radio Podcast. I am a BB in a boxcar. 